Well, good morning, church. Glad you are here today, and we are glad that you're here on Friend Day, and that means so many of you discovered something wonderful this week. You actually have friends, right? And for some of you, you might need some counseling, but we're glad you're here today, right? And so when you think about Friend Day, I think one thing we kind of all know for sure is that if you really have some friends in your life, that you are a blessed individual. Would you say amen to that? You know, and I'm not just talking about the kind of friends that are like the acquaintances or you befriended somebody. I'm talking about the kind of friends that go through life with you, right? The kind of friends that, 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 that come to you when you're hurting or, or, or lift you up when you're celebrating. The kind of friends that really walk a journey with you. And if you have those kind of friends in your life, what I would call true friends, you know that you are 100% Blessed. In fact, Jesus himself said something very powerful about friends. He said, there's no greater love than this, that a man would lay his life down for his, what? Friends. And what an incredible statement that Jesus made. Now, when you think about that, when you think about, do I have friends that are willing at the very core of who they are to sacrifice for me? I, I'm blessed to know that I have friends like that. Friends that will sacrifice their schedules. Friends that will sacrifice their time. They will sacrifice their maybe manual labor to help me. I know that if I am in need, I've got people that are willing to sacrifice. And Jesus himself said, the greatest mark of true friendship is sacrifice. When friends will sacrifice for another, what an incredible mark of friendship. And maybe many of you have those kind of friends. Hopefully, it's in your life. But the thing about it is, while you think about that kind of sacrifice, when you think about the kind of sacrifice your friends have demonstrated to you, I just want to encourage you with this truth today, that their sacrifice on behalf of you pales in comparison to a greater sacrifice that was made for all of us. And I'm talking about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. The sacrifice he made to step out of heaven, to come to this world, to become one of us, to live a sinless life, to do many, many miracles, to go to a cross, to die for you and me, to be placed in the grave only three days later to come back from the dead. The sacrifice that Jesus has made for all of us in this room far outweighs any sacrifice, a friend that we might have. So if I ask you this question this morning, if that's true, if that's what Jesus done for us, and if I ask you the question, so why do you think Jesus actually died for us? Why do you think he died for us? Many of you might say this. You might say, well, Doug, I think that uh, Jesus died for us because that way we can know forgiveness of sin. And I would say, you're spot on. You're right. But it's bigger than that. Or you might say, hey, Doug, I think Jesus died for us because he loves us, right? I mean, for God so loved the world. That's me, right? And so maybe Jesus died for me and died for us because God loves humanity and God loves the world. And I would say, you were so spot on. But it's bigger than that, too. Yes, he died for forgiveness of sin. Yes, he died because he loves you and me. And even some of us realize and we feel like, well, maybe we don't feel lovable, but he still loves you. But the reason Jesus died is so much bigger than that. So today, what I want to do for a few short minutes is I want to talk about why did Jesus really have to die? So if you have your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, be on the screen. We're going to turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 3. And I know you were just seated but I feel like you need to work off the biscuits and gravy. So let's all stand together if you would. And I want to read a passage. Now listen, just real quickly. 
If you're kind of new to this whole Jesus thing and you're new to this church thing, I'm going to read some words that are going to cause you to maybe want to disengage from the message today. I'm just asking you, please don't disengage. There's some churchy words that I'm going to read today. But I promise you, as I go through the passage in a moment, I'm going to explain them all. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of lay out the real definition of these things. So don't get lost in the words I'm going to read. But listen to this. In Romans chapter 3, beginning of verse 21, here's what the Word of God says. But now... The righteousness of God, or right standing with God, has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all, everybody say for all. all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forth as a propitiation, that just means instead of us, by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine patience or forbearance, he passed over former sins, and it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith. In Jesus, let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you for this passage, Lord. And I know there's a lot of uh, big words there, God. But would you help us as we go through this, as we walk through this passage? Would you open our hearts and our eyes to the truth of what your word tells us this morning? For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we look at this passage, I just want to walk through the verses. In fact, this may be the best pointless sermon you're ever going to hear because there's no points. I just want to walk through it. Because I want you to get the heartbeat of what this guy named Paul. And this guy named Paul who writes these words. Many of you may know, but maybe you don't know. This guy named Paul was a guy who used to be called Saul. And he was the religious of the religious. I mean, he was a guy that was climbing the religious ladder. I mean, he was in line to be like the head that you could be. I mean, he was going to be part of a council known as the Sanhedrin, which was like the upper echelon of the religious culture of that day. He was on his path that way. And he hated Christians back in the day. And so he would travel, and he would go, and he would kill Christians. That's what he did. And then one day on the road, on his journey to kill more Christians, Jesus showed up. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In other words, why are you killing the people that that I love and changing their life? And it was in that moment that his life changed, and he went from being called Saul to Paul. And then this guy named Paul goes from killing Christians to traveling around sharing the most important message that anybody could ever hear, and it's the message of Jesus. He did a 180. Because The reason I point that out is because some of you here today, as I get in the passage, you're going to be thinking, well, I don't know if God can really change my heart. I don't know if God can love me with all the things that I've done. Listen, have you ever killed as many Christians as he did? I'm going to doubt that one, right? I mean, if God can forgive anybody and he can change anybody's life, listen, he didn't just change his life. He used him as one of the greatest men in the New Testament for the name of Jesus. And if he can do that with that rascal, he can do it for you. And he can do it for me. He can do it for us. And so as we look at this passage, I want us to come to this one central question. Why did Jesus have to die? Now, Paul doesn't start answering that question. But he does start with verse 21. Look what he says in verse 21. He says, But now the righteousness of God 
has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. In other words, he says, listen, guys, you that are religious, you that think you have to keep a set of rules to be acceptable by God, those of you who think that you've got to work and perform to earn your way into heaven, I have news for you. There's a way that's apart from that. Not that that way ever got you there, but there's a way. And that way has nothing to do with the law. It has nothing to do with keeping the rules and regulations and performing. If you want to be in right standing with God, there is a new way and has nothing to do with that stuff. Now, why is that important? Because even today in the world that we live in, every religion in the world, in fact, many denominations, evangelical denominations will tell you that if you're going to be right with God, you've got to perform you got to excel. you got to check off the boxes. you got to do this and not do that. And we have this big to-do list, right? And if you want to be right with God, that's what you've got to do. And this guy, Paul, says, that's not true. There's a way to be right with God. And it has nothing to do with keeping the rules. It has nothing to do with performing. It has nothing to do with you filling out the checklist boxes in your life. Nothing to do with that. In fact, he goes on to say that even the Old Testament people, the people, the prophets of the old, and even the law itself pointed toward this way. And then Paul does something fascinating. He tells us what the way is. Look at verse 22. He says this, It is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Here's what Paul says. You ready? This is awesome. He says, let me tell you the way to be right with God. You ready? It's not about brushing your teeth. It's not about doing your religious to-do list. You know how you can be right with God? You know how you can be right standing with Jesus? How you can be right standing with your Heavenly Father? Here's how. Put your faith in Jesus. Drop the mic, walk away. That's it. Now, I know for many of you in the room, you're thinking, that's good news, but we want to push back against that. Because do we live in that kind of world? Do you live in the kind of world that you get promotions just because? Or do you have to perform to get promotions? If you're in students and you're in school, do you have to perform to get good grades? Or if you went to class, you go, you know what? I'm just here. I'm present. That should be good enough. I think I'm going to get A's. Will that work out well for you? No, right? And some of you are like, well, I thought it would, but it hasn't, right? And it doesn't work out well for you, Right? Because we live in a world that is performance-driven, right? Paul says, listen, the way you can be in a right standing with God, the way you can be acceptable with God has nothing to do with performing, nothing to do with earning it. It has everything to do with putting your faith in Jesus, period, end of story. Now, this word faith is a really big word. It's a simple word, but it means a whole lot. So when you talk about putting your faith in Jesus, on one side, it means believing in Jesus. In other words, you're believing that he is the son of God. You're believing that he really came to this world, that he really existed, that he really lived a sinless life, and that he really died on the cross, and he really rose from the grave on the third day. That's what it means to believe as part of faith. So faith means believing all those things, but it also means trusting. Because I believe these things, I trust my life to you. You ever had to trust your life to somebody? Anybody? Okay, one of you, right? Anybody ever really had to trust your life to somebody you thought you were? Uh, was that scary? Were you like nervous about that? I tell this story sometimes, and I may have told it here, I'm not sure, but uh, I was doing a children's camp one day, and 
there was probably two, three hundred children at this camp, and it was the nighttime message. And I was talking about trust. And so if you know anything about trust and you've ever been a school teacher or a counselor or you've been anything with athletics, there's this thing called the trust fall. Anybody ever participate in the trust fall? Okay, did it go well for you? Okay, so who said no? That's why I said no. So this little girl called up. She was a youth pastor's daughter. I called her up, and I had her stand on the back of the stage. The stage was about four feet tall, a little higher than this. And I had six grown men, because I was smart, stand there. And they all locked arms, just like this. They grabbed arms, like right here and right here. And all six of them, they stood across from each other. I said, okay, I called her by name. said, on the count of three, you're going to fall. And we're going to see if you trust these men because if you fall and you don't bend your knees and you keep them straight and you'll fall into their arms, then we know you totally trusted them. Now, I've been doing this a long time. I've worked with students for 19 years. Rarely do you ever see anybody keep their legs completely locked out until this girl. She fell and she looked like a two by four. I mean, she would just, it, it was a thing of beauty until she hit the arms and I didn't realize, because in my intelligence, there was a bit of ignorance, that when you put your arms and grab arms like this, there's an 18-inch gap between my arms. I should have had them do this, right? And so when she hit that, her backside hit perfectly in that 18-inch square, and she folded like a book and went right through them all the way to the concrete floor. I'm not sure she trusts anybody anymore. But there's something about trusting someone that causes us to let go, right? Now, when we talk about putting our faith in Jesus, we're talking about believing in who he is and what he's done. But we're also talking about saying, I trust you with my life. I can literally fall into you and know that you, unlike Doug, will always catch me. That's what it means. And Paul says, listen, if you want to be in a right standing with God, if you one day want to be able to stand before a holy God and him say, I love you, I've accepted you, and welcome home into your eternal place called heaven, it begins and ends with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you notice what he said here, that this is good news for everybody. There's nobody that's outside of this. He says there is no distinction. In other words, for them in that day, it was like, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. Listen, it doesn't matter your background, your heritage, or your sin, your bank of sins that you've committed over life. It doesn't matter. If you put your faith in Jesus, you can become a child of God right now, today, in this very moment. So Paul says, listen, you want to be right with God? <laughs> Just put your faith in him. It's not about performing. It's not about works. It's not about working your way in. It's about trusting. Listen, if you want to be in a right relationship with God, it's not about doing. It's about believing. Did you hear that this morning? It's not about doing. It's about believing. And then Paul tells us why it's so important for us to understand this truth. And then in verse 23, he says this, for all have sinned and falling short of the glory of God. Now listen, if you were going to earn your way into heaven, there's only one way you can earn your way in. You ready? Some of you have never heard this. You have to be what? Perfect. No sin ever. Anybody pulling that off right now? Okay, you just sinned right there for lying, right? <laughs> Liar, right? Anybody pulling that one off? No. In fact, there's only one sinless person 
And he's the one that went to the cross for us, right? And he says, listen, for all of us have sinned. In other words, everybody who's ever lived outside of the Son of God, Jesus, every one of us have rebelled against God. We've said things, we've done things, we've thought things that is rebellion against God. And because of that, we're not perfect. We are sinful and we fall short. See, the mark is perfection if you're going to earn your way into heaven. And every single one of us missed the mark. So it's so important for us to know that you can't earn your way in. And maybe some of you are trying Man, you're like, I'm doing the right stuff. I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying and all that's great. And and I'm doing all the right stuff. But at the end of the day, you can't earn your way in. Being good enough is not good enough. You've got to put your faith in Jesus. And then he says, for those who put their faith in Jesus, look at verse 24 where he says, I love this. And they are justified by his grace as a gift. To the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who put, who, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. In other words, he says this, if you realize that you can't earn your way to get to heaven, you can't earn your way, and then you realize the only way to be in right standing with God is by putting your faith in Jesus, here's your story. You ready? Once you put your faith in Jesus, you are made justified. That word justified just means you will be declared innocent. Anybody ever watch like... Um, courtroom shows like Law and Order, where we like that in my house. Anybody? Okay. Most of you are like, oh, I hope I'm just not on that show so I don't, you don't watch it, right? Right? So if you've ever watched those shows, what you find out at the end, there's always a jury verdict, right? And you're always on pins and needles. What's that going to say? Guilty, not guilty. If you put your faith in Jesus, one day there will be a judgment. And one day we will stand up. And when our name is read from the book of life, we will be declared not guilty. That's what it means by justified. If we are justified in Jesus, that means that when God sees you and he sees me now, if you're a believer, do you still sin? Oh yeah, you do. Just ask somebody. You do. We all do, right? We all still sin. We all still blow it. But one day when we stand before God, if we put our faith in him, we will stand before him and we will be declared not guilty. And it has nothing to do with what you've done It has everything to do with you putting your faith in what Jesus has done for you. It is Jesus who died on the cross. It's Jesus who shed his blood. And the shedding of his blood, the shedding of his blood served as payment for our sin debt. He says that he was our propitiation. That means he died instead of you. So instead of Michael Strockeljohn having to go to a cross and payment for sin, which would not have been sufficient, Jesus took Michael's place. Instead of Paul Bugby having to go to the cross and paying the penalty of his sin, which is multitude sin, right, Danny? There's a lot of sin there, right? Instead of him going to the cross and paying it, which would have been insufficient, Jesus took his place. And that's everybody's story in the room. He took your place. Now, what I love about these first four verses is Paul tells us what Jesus has done for us. That on your own, in your best way, on your best day, with your best attitude, you can't earn your way to heaven. But Jesus came to this world and died for you. And that all you have to do to be in right standing with God is not perform, but put your faith and Jesus. And so Paul tells us what Jesus has done for us, but I still have this question. Why did Jesus have to die? 
We know what Jesus did, but why did he have to die? And that's how Paul ends the passage, by telling us the why. Look with me in verse 25, the, the last half. He says, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be, everybody say it with me, just, say it with me, just, and what? The justifier. Let's say it again. So that he might be just, and what? The justifier. Why did Jesus have to die first? Because God is just. That's why he had to die. God is just. By nature, God is just. And when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and we've all sinned, sin came into the world. And listen to me, sin has to be paid for. Right? Sin's got to be paid for. In fact, if you go all the way back to the story of Adam and Eve, remember what God told Adam and Eve, that where there is sin, there is death. And you may, you're the smart person and go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Adam and Eve didn't physically die, did they? No, but did you pick up on what he said here? That in God's divine forbearance, his patience, what did God do? God withheld judgment. He didn't look over their sins. God said, I know you've sinned. Death is coming, but I'm going to withhold judgment on your sin. But when Jesus came to this world, the time for payment of sin had come. If you like to eat out a lot, the check was due. Right? So why did Jesus have to die? Because God is just. And sin had to be paid for. But can we go, let's look at this verse. Why also did he die? So then not only because sin had to be paid for, but because he wanted to be the one who paid for our sin. He's not only the just who says sin's got to be paid for, he's the justifier saying, you know what? You can't pay for it on your own, Michael Strickland, John. Paul Bugby, you can't pay for it on your own. Guess what? I'm going to pay it for you. Now, I don't know about you, but that should be an emotional thought that runs through your, the very fiber you're being right now. That yes, God is just. We kind of get that. We kind of know that. We kind of believe that, yes, God is just, but the fact that Jesus died, not only because God is just, but because Jesus says, you can't pay your debt, Tyler Peck, but I'm going to pay it for you. He is just, but Jesus is also the justifier. He's the one that took our place. Why did Jesus have to die? Because only his sacrifice was sufficient for the forgiveness of our sins. Now this morning, I just want you to hear my heart this morning. This morning, I know for many of us in the room, we know what Jesus did. Even if you're not a church person, even if you don't have faith in Jesus right now, you probably somewhere along your lifespan have heard the story of what Jesus has done. Now maybe it's been skewed, maybe it's been a little jaded, but you basically have heard that this guy came, he lived a sinless life, and he died for a bunch of people, and you can put your faith in him. You probably know what he's done, but I want you to know why he did it. He did it because sin had to be paid for, and you and I owe a debt that we could not pay. And Jesus says, because you can't pay it, I'm going to pay it for you. How many of you would love somebody in this congregation to show up to your bank and write a check for the balance of your home note? How many of you would think that would be awesome? Mine is Citizens Bank, by the way. Anyway, would that not be awesome for you? If someone stepped up and said, I know you owe it, I know you can't pay it, and I'm going to pay for you. But listen, greater than a house note 
He did it for our souls for all eternity. He died for us because he knew that only his death was sufficient for our forgiveness of sin. That's what he knew. Now, when you think about this passage today, I want you to realize we know what the what is. We know what Jesus did. But now we know why he did it. Sin had to be paid for. And he paid for it. So when you think about the sacrifice of Jesus, here's something I want you to think of. And if you're a note taker, this is maybe worth writing down. If you're, if you're thinking about the sacrifice of Jesus, here's what I want you to think of as I close this morning. It's because of his mercy that he delayed payment. It's because of God's mercy that he delayed. He didn't overlook our sin, but he delayed payment of all the sins of the old to the moment of the cross. Because of his mercy, he delayed payment. Because of his justice, he demands payment. Because of his justice, payment has got to happen. But because of his grace, he made the payment. Can somebody just say amen to that one? Because of his grace, he made your payment. And he made mine. Now I want you to know something that's pretty powerful. Knowing that Jesus have to die, Jesus chose to die. Knowing he didn't have to, but he chose to. There were times that when Jesus looked out and he would say things like this, he's like, when he would look out and he would begin to weep or he began to consider the people he was looking at and he would say things like this, that what I see is a bunch of, of people that are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw humanity, what his heart longed for was for them to be in a relationship with their heavenly father. And that only happens through faith in Jesus. See, because of his mercy, he delayed that payment. Because of his justice, he demanded it. But because of his grace, he made our payment for our sin. Now, here's one problem I think maybe some of us have this morning. We just don't think that our sin is that bad. Right? We don't really think that our sin leads to death and eternal separation. In fact, I had a conversation a couple of months ago with someone. They just was asking me some questions. They were just asking, and they said, okay, do I really believe that the eternity is forever? And the answer is, yes, I do believe that. And what they really want to know is, do I believe that eternity apart from Christ in a place called hell, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, darkness, and eternal separation, do I believe it lasts forever? And I go, yes, I do. And they said, why do you believe that? Why do you believe someone who would leave this world but doesn't know Jesus is going to spend forever and ever and ever and ever, dot, 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 right? And forever in a place separated, experiencing eternal torment for all eternity. And here's the answer. It's because it takes an eternity to pay your sin debt. And it never ends. But I can tell you the one who did pay it, and all we have to do to have eternal life with him and to live with him forever is put our faith in Jesus. And so maybe this morning you're here and you're like, man, I, Doug, I'm on board with you, man. I'm a believer. I've accepted Christ. I agree with you, man. This is awesome. If you're a believer in the room, can I tell you what I want this, this passage to do for us? I hope that it renews the joy of our salvation. I hope that maybe you've had a, one of those kind of weeks where you need to be reminded of what Jesus has done for you and why he did it for you. I pray that it renews you and you, you can walk out of this place today going, you know what? I'm, what? 
when I think about what Jesus has done for me, and not only what he's done, but why he did it, why would I not want to live for him? I pray that it would renew your passion and commitment to live for him. I pray that it would renew your passion to share him. And so if you know Jesus today, listen, if he is your Lord and Savior, this is incredible news. This is what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus, what he did and why he did it. And if you know Jesus is your Savior, man, this should be encouraging to you. If, you feel, if you're a believer and you're encouraged this morning, would you say amen? amen? Man, I hope you are. I hope that it changes the way that we live our life out there because we're always wrestling with the weight of our sin and what he's done for us. But maybe you're here for the first time or maybe you've been here a long time. And if I were to sit down with you and we were to have a conversation, I said, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to spend forever an eternity with Christ in a place called heaven. There'd be some of you that might say one of two things. First of all, you might say, absolutely not. I have no certainty of that. And then there might be some of you who say, you know what? I just don't know. I made a decision when I was young, but I've walked away from God, and I, I, just, I don't know. My life has become nothing more than a bunch of rules that I try to keep, but I don't know that there's a relationship there. And I want to say to both of those people that may be in the room today, I just have one encouragement to you. Would you nail it down? Listen, I pray with all of my heart that if anybody fits in that category, that today you would nail down, well, Doug, you know what? My, my parents think I'm already a Christian. My husband kind of already thinks I'm a Christian. My wife thinks I'm a Christian. You know, people, if I, if I really give my life to Christ today, I've got to change some things. They kind of already think that. Well, listen, are you willing to stake your eternity on what other people think? And I hope not. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do it today. I want to say it clear, and I want to say it loud, and I want to give you an opportunity. Because listen, once you put your faith in Jesus, I can tell you something. You've got a friend that will stick closer than a brother. And he will never leave you, never forsake you, and will always be with you. So maybe you need to make that decision today. So here's how we're going to do that. I'm going to ask you right now, every head bowed, and every eye closed. And we're just going to stay seated for just a moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And for those of you that are here this morning, and maybe you would just simply say this, you know what, Doug, I feel like I need to nail it down. I, I feel like I'm unsure. I don't know 100% that if I died right now, I'm going to heaven. Or Doug, I know 100% I'm not going to heaven. If that's you this morning and nobody's looking around, nobody's looking around, and you're ready to make that decision, would you just slip your hand up? Nobody's looking around except me. Just slip your hand up. Amen. Slip your hand up. Amen. You put them right back down. Amen. Amen. Slip them right back down. Amen. Wow. If you're ready to make it, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Now, this prayer is my words, but it's got to be the cry of your heart. And if you will pray this, when we say amen, you can know 100% that you are a child of God. So if you're ready to make that decision, pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I understand today that I'm a sinner. That I've said some things. I've done things. And I've thought things 
that's rebellion against you. And I know my sin separates me from you. But today I put my faith in Jesus. I believe he is your son. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he came back to life. And I today, Lord, ask you to forgive me for my sins. And I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you just prayed that prayer, can you put your hands back up so I can see you? If you just prayed that prayer, amen. Oh my gosh, amen. Amen. Wow. Amen. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Everybody, head bowed, eye closed. Just those people make eye contact with me, you would. I'm going to ask you to do me a big favor. In just a moment, we're going to have Kelly and Jason Belcher over there, and Pat and Willie are going to be over here behind the curtains. And I would love for you to tell somebody, if you're not comfortable doing that, grab the response card, and at the bottom say, today I gave my life to Jesus. And if you would fill that out and drop it at the connection table, I want to follow up with you. I want to talk to you about what's the next step for you. Because listen, everybody still looking at me, if you've made that decision, listen, when you said Jesus come into my life to be my Lord and Savior, let me tell you, your name is now written in the book of life. You now are a child of God. Yes, you're going to blow it. Yes, you're going to sin. Yes, you're going to mess up. But you can know that you today are forgiven. And right now, because of the decision you made, heaven is throwing a party just for you. So I'm so thankful for the decision you made. Right now, let's everybody stand together. Everybody stand if you would. Everybody stand right now. Everybody stand. Now, you didn't have the privilege of seeing this, but I did. There were about six or seven people that said they gave their life to Christ today. Can we just give the Lord a shout of praise for that? I'm telling you, if you made it, if you nailed it down today, do not be ashamed. The Apostle Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation for all who believe. Listen, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior now, don't be ashamed. We want to help you with the next steps, but don't be ashamed. Let us know. Tell me on your way out today, and we want to celebrate with you. And then today, if you're a believer, I pray the words of the Apostle Paul would fan a flame in your life. That you, would, that you would be so excited about what God has done for you and why he's done that, that you would live a life that's different as you leave this place today. So however the Lord is working in you, would you be faithful to respond to that as we continue to sing about the greatest sacrifice ever made, the sacrifice of Jesus.